This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a special edition of the PowerCat Podcast as we take a look at football recruiting signing day, everything that happened for Chris Kleiman's Kansas State staff, this class that has been ranked 29th by the experts in uh, at 24-7 Sports down in Nashville, a very solid class. I am Tim Fitzgerald and joined by our recruiting editor at Go Powercat, Mr. Ryan Wallace, in parts unknown because uh, it's the holidays. Uh, while you were just saying um, this, having this signing day a week later than usual does not work for all of us with other lives this i don't know why they did it this way this year it was terrible i mean whoever signed off on you know it being what three days out from christmas eve that's crazy um i I, i've just i've never covered it remotely and you know covering it outside of manhattan is one thing when you're in your own home you know you've got your own hours and you're not you're just kind of working through your own schedule but now to have it worked it remotely on Wednesday <laughs> when you're, you know, sleeping on the in-laws couch in the basement with four kids running around. And then, you know, you're going to cover the early morning hours of it from a Starbucks in Wichita. And it was, yeah. And, and you, you feel for the kids, too, because, you know, some folks probably saw I know on Wabash Station we addressed this. Some folks were asking, why are we seeing kids signing uh, last week, you know, with photos at their schools and things like that? Um, the, the point of that was if, you know, Mays High School, for instance, Avery Johnson was able to sign yesterday because his school was still in session. There were other schools that were not in session. And so those kids that wanted to have any sort of event in a cafeteria or a gym or what have you, if you wanted to do it while school was still in session before winter break, some of those kids had to do it last week. So, you know, it was, it's just not fair to the kids and it's not fair to these coaches. And, um, you know, let, let the holidays be about the holidays and not, this (laughs) well let's start with Avery because you went over there to watch the signing and hopefully do a quick interview with him but I think this story just tells you all you need to know about Avery Johnson here he is one of the top players in the entire country the top player in the state of Kansas a quarterback of note in this recruiting class and when you tried to talk to him he says I got to go to class (laughs) And I'm thinking, how many kids around the country would say, 
Well, I'm so-and-so. I'll just show up late. My teacher won't mind. Not Avery. He's going to do it the right way, even if he can do do it a different way. He's going to be on class, in class on time. And I, that kind of impressed me, although I wanted the coverage. Yeah, and I mean, selfishly for us, one of the we could have gotten Avery Johnson yesterday. There was a pool of reporters um, that went up immediately after he signed. He did probably you know five minutes worth of of their time, their questions and their time before posing for you know pictures with family and friends. Wesley Fair was one of the uh, another commit that was there and uh, came to support Avery, and so they were in the cafeteria. He took a lot of photos. He grabbed a donut or two, talked to his mom and dad, and then. Uh, I kind of approached Avery and, and, um, got the, got the hint pretty quick that even though it was his last day there at Mays high school, cause he is an early grad, um, he had a lot of things to do. One of which was, I believe still had class and then, you know, clean out lockers and, you know, basically leave the high school <laughs> for good later that afternoon. And so being able to sit down and, and give me enough time to do some sort of podcast or a one-on-one just wasn't in the cards yesterday, but you're right. I mean, I think most kids would have been completely nonchalant about, oh, I still have some student, you know, uh, academic things that I need to handle or, you know, uh, there were teachers that he still wanted to go say bye to and all sorts of things. And so the other thing that caught my eye fits yesterday, just kind of, again, watching Avery yesterday, the, the relief that you could tell, you know, being off his shoulders, the, the way that he was carrying himself, it was, he looked lighter. He looked, um, you know, more at ease. He, he didn't have to have the, the professional persona on. Um, he, you could just tell that um, everything he's been through while he's comfortable doing it for four more years for 10 more years, you know, in the pros or 20, whatever uh, the, the recruitment side of it all, I think had definitely taken its toll and, he just looked like a kid again. You know, it was, it was fun to see him off the field um, done as a recruit, just being able to have his backpack on, grab a donut and walk back down the halls of Mays high school, knowing that he was signed, sealed, delivered. I mean, it was, that was a cool experience for me to see again, uh, the off the field, Avery Johnson that we hear so much about uh, that, that I myself have gotten to know, but to be able to see him do it in a, in a student setting at Mays high school was pretty cool yesterday. He, he looks like a kid that's, just ready to enjoy the holidays, kick his feet up, and and then get up to Manhattan, I believe, on January 15th or 17th. Well, Avery is the top-rated player in this class. He was the top-rated player in the state of Kansas. They signed six players out of the state of Kansas. Interestingly enough, Kansas isn't known for producing a bunch of talent, but it sure did this year. And the top two kids in this class are both Kansans. And the two four-stars, including Jordan Allen of Olathe South, um, are, you know, the, the featured players in this class, but Avery Johnson is just a great place to start. We've talked about him a lot. We did a great, you know, behind the scenes uh, commitment day uh, video. And, uh, but he sets the tone for this class in so many ways and showing up early, being here for the spring semester that so that he can be part of spring football is important. But in terms of recruiting, he did a lot of work on the recruiting trail too, and helped this this football staff close out this class with a little surge at the end. No, absolutely. I mean, he was, he was the foundational piece from the get go. And I remember going into this cycle, you know, more than a year ago, I always had it in my mind that Dylan Edwards might be the guy that you could build around Dylan because of his personality. Um, 
And it ended up that the more we got into this cycle, you started to realize, and again, it's, it's no disrespect to Dylan, but Avery was a guy that I think more kids gravitated towards. Um, Dylan was the more outgoing of the kind of in-state stars that you could build around. Um, and it, for a, a brief moment there in the summer, K-State started that process. But you really started to realize, I would say, early spring, late winter, uh, this, this past winter, figuring out that Avery Johnson is just a guy that you want to have in your locker room, that he's a guy that's easy to talk to, um, you know, with his background and, and with the way that he has played in so many different areas uh, through seven on seven and such, he can go, he's, he's kind of like a, a star recruiter on a college staff because he can, you can send him into an inner city and he'll have things to talk to. You can send him out to the rural, you know, eight man level and he'll, find something that he can connect with, with a kid there. And he's just so sociable. And, and we had it in our profile pieces for everybody that signed on Wednesday, Cole Carmody and I went through a litany of kind of Q and A's with those kids asking. And one of the questions was, who's the leader of this class? And I think there might've only been one person that said a name other than Avery. Hmm. Um, it, it's the way that he carries himself. And you're right. I mean, Trey Spivey, um, Avery played a huge part in that recruitment and that commitment. Wesley Watson straight up said that Avery Johnson and his mother, the, the way that they welcomed his family to town on their official visit was part of the reason why he felt sold on K-State and on and on and on. So um, the stuff that you see on the field is incredible. I mean, statistically, he does crazy things. In the data, like the way that he tests, we've had our 24-7 national team uh, explain that he tests at a level that's like at or above where Lamar Jackson was as a high school player. He's ridiculous. But the way that he handles himself off the field, the, the, the things that he's going to do in that locker room, even if he's not the starter next year, even if he's a backup, the way that he's going to kind of mold his class together and the guys that are going to be coming after him that might not play with Will Howard, it's it's going to be something that I think Chris Kleiman is going to love because he can have his hands off. Colin Klein's can have his hands off. Let Avery kind of run the show where you don't have to be, you know, peering, peeking over somebody's shoulder. You can just rely on Avery and trust in Avery to get get the job done and do things the right way. Okay, let's get to the big picture of this recruiting class because this did come in at number twenty nine nationally according to twenty four seven Sports, number five in the Big Twelve. Um, which is those are both notable numbers. They're they're high numbers by K State standards. And as I mentioned in a daily delivery that appeared at Go Powercat on Thursday, they've overcome that. The the recruiting rankings haven't impacted the fact that they just won a, a Big Twelve championship. So the the success on the field hasn't always aligned with what would be perceived as success on the recruiting trail because they haven't had high rated classes. They go find guys though that can play. This class is both. These guys can play. They fit the system. They fit the culture in the locker room. And yet they are highly rated, highly thought of players. This is kind of, am I, am I overstating that this is kind of a monumental class for this program? Well, I mean, if, if you're just looking at the, at the class as a whole now after it's been signed, it's a foundational class. This was a pivotal, pivotal recruiting cycle for Chris Kleiman and company, not only because of some of the hiccups that we addressed coming out of last year's class, but also something that we've addressed time and time again entering this cycle, which was 
you know, Lance Leipold has now been on the scene for a year. You've had Matt Campbell that's kind of been living in your back pocket. Oklahoma State's always been there. You 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 have Kansas becoming more sought after nationally. I think people are giving it more respect now. All those things were culminating with this class to where it was kind of a – you don't want to say make or break, but this was a, a real year for Chris Kleiman to make a statement. And boy, did this staff ever do it. Everything they did, they did with a purpose – and it seemed, I mean, you could probably nitpick some very, very small things that they would go back and correct, as you would any staff nationally for any cycle. But it sure seems like they hit everything at an appropriate time, carried out each individual recruitment the right way. Everything was in sync this year. And I think it was kind of the, the if you split it down the middle and split, you know, this class and this cycle into halves. It, it, they they nailed everything. It was a perfect storm because they went out in the early portion, recognized well over a year, probably maybe even two years ago, this was going to be a huge in-state class from a talent level. This was going to be a historic in-state group of just guys. I mean, the, the, the top-notch level talent from Avery Johnson all the way down, one of the deepest, richest crops I've ever seen in Kansas. And they said, we're going to go out in the spring. we got to get some of those pieces in play and and hammered down quick and then we can move into the fall and fill from there with maybe some of those out-of-state pieces and they did it and what made it a perfect storm was they had they were in early on so many of those in-state guys that they were able to you know didn't have to play catch up like a lance leipold did or didn't have to create relationships like maybe a matt campbell would have because you had taylor bratt talking to these kids for well over a year you had chris Kleiman and his staff kind of talking with high school coaches about these kids before, you know, it was even legal to uh, talk to them directly. Right. And so they already knew about families and, you know, what's your hobbies. All that was known before this cycle ever really truly started. That's why you got, you were able to get Will Ancio, Wesley Fair, Avery Johnson committed before this season ever started, you know? So this, this season success had nothing to do with those guys, you know, picking K-State. They picked K-State because of the, the research, the, the homework that was done months previous. Then you get into the season and the staff really sees the momentum of the season they were having on the field. And that led into attracting maybe an Asa Newsom and getting him back in the fold, a Trey Spivey, getting him back in the fold, you know, getting Vass from Florida, a kid that, you know, maybe wouldn't have looked to go this far away from home. But K-State's winning and kicking ass, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'll go up and I'll go up and play for that team. And, you know, with that recruiting class that they put together. So really fits a culmination, just a perfect storm of how everything fit together and how they just had a plan of attack for how this thing was going to go. And again, it, it ends in a really historic class 29th nationally, like you said, best ever for K-State in the modern recruiting era. And I mean, if you, if you want to go back fits and you want to say, well, you know, 2004 and 2001, you know, they were technically higher. That wasn't the day and age of recruiting right. as we know it now. And so I think to have a top 30 borderline top 25 class, um, perhaps, you know, once we get into February and they fill in with some final pieces and you count transfers, that's that's a remarkable job by the staff. Yeah. Between film and camps and and increased number of people covering recruiting, whether it's just from our network or all networks combined, 
I feel like the ratings and rankings right now are so much more thorough than they've ever been. Are they perfect? Of course not. You, you, you can't get even close to perfect with this, but it is so thorough now. But we all have our own opinions, and I'm eager to hear yours. There are 23 high school kids and three junior college recruits all on the defensive side, which is of note, in this class. They may not be done. They might, you know, they're still sniffing around a running back maybe. They're kind of waiting on hearing about Deuce Vaughn. But as we sit here today, give me some of your guys. We all love Avery Johnson. That uh, Some other guys that might jump out at you and you expect big things from out of this recruiting class. Well, let's just start kind of from a ratings perspective and, and work our way down. And I won't hit everybody, but like you said, touch on some notables. Um, you know, again, there's been a lot been made about Jordan Allen, and I do think he's the real deal. I think he grew from as a you know sophomore kid that you kind of heard about in the Kansas City area for some remarkable testing attributes and just physical freakish raw things that he could do. Watching him progress as a player this season already having the frame and doing some of those God-given things that, you know, people his age and people from this area have, we've never really seen do before. Um, I, I think if you lose a Felix and DK Uzama, like everybody expects, I do think Jordan Allen has the potential to make an impact quickly, um, at least get in the rotation. Uh, you work your way down. Obviously I mentioned Asa Newsom was just an enormous get for them uh, on signing early signing day Eve. You know, I think he's got the frame, comes from uh, a well-respected program at Waverly Shell Rock, and watching him at K-State's camp a year ago, I think, you know, he might be able to work himself into a linebacker group that, you know, probably will return Austin Moore, and that, you know, might be it, you know, unless you want to consider like a Jake Clifton. Um, so I think Asa Newsom might be able to work his way in the rotation. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Fitz. If you haven't watched Joe Jackson's highlights, uh, I get yeah. why, you know, fans might be, you know, a little peeved about, you know, missing out on Dylan Edwards from what he can do on the field. Joe Jackson can do a lot of good things himself. I mean, if, if you didn't have a Jordan Allen, uh, an Avery Johnson at the top of this class, I think Joe Jackson would be getting a lot more recognition if he can pick up the playbook, um, quickly, which, you know, it's tough for a running back because you've got those blocking assignments and things that Brian Anderson wants you to be able to do and trust you to carry out. If he can do that quick, because remember, he'll be a June enrollee, not an early enrollee. You know, the running back depth chart is, is meant for him to ascend quickly. So he's one. Um, and then I think, you know, the further down that you go, there's just a lot of names that I think are all really good players, really strong in their own right. You know, maybe they they jump out, um, maybe not. But if you want to talk about sleepers, you know, if you want to dig way down this class, I think there are two that are considered, quote, the bottom four or five ratings wise in this class that I really like. And I know Cole Carmody feels the same way. I think you look at a guy that they got this week in Andrew Metzger, right, that they were able to flip from Colorado. He decommitted was Carl Durrell's first commit for Colorado. And then Carl Durrell gets fired. There's the coaching change with Deion Sanders and Andrew Metzger from Regis Jesuit High School out there uh, in Aurora, Colorado, ends up getting back on the on the table. K-State jumps in with Nebraska and KU and ends up selling him on an official visit the weekend leading up to early signing day that quickly. And I think part of that was because of the culture. I think part of that was because being able to see what Ben Sennett 
Sammy Wheeler did at the end of this year and knowing Sammy Wheeler probably won't be back. And you've just got Ben Sennett at six, five two forty. You throw this kid's tape on. He blocks. Well, he can go down the scene and stretch the field. Uh, just a tremendous athlete with a great frame. I think he's got a lot of potential right out of the gate. And the other kid that I love, maybe my, well, not, he is my biggest sleeper because I wrote about it um, on Wednesday. Wesley Watson, the wide receiver from A&M Consolidated in College Station, Texas. Again, another former Colorado commit fits that um, have been previously committed to SMU even before that. Um, when you put him on tape, 6'2", almost 190, 195-ish. So he's got a great frame as it is. Uh, and then you find out that, oh, by the way, he tests at 439 is his fastest 40 that he's been clocked at. Oh, by the way, you know, you, you watch the burst that he has and, and how he can get to that 439 speed. He's not a long strider. He gets there in 5, 10 yards at, to his top speed. And he can make contested catches, is a really crisp route runner. I'd say he's advanced for his position at that, advanced in that stage of his position. And then you start thinking about he plays at the 5A, 5A classification in Texas, which I believe is the second highest. And they've got, you know, Division One, Division Two, But he's their offensive MVP of his district in Texas. And Fitz, he missed the last three games of the regular season with an injury. <laughs> um, I, I really think with what K-State is expected to lose at the wide receiver position, they're going to need guys to step up. Whether Wesley Watson becomes a starter, I don't know. But he, he's coming off a broken fibula, but it's not going to require surgery. Uh, when he was on his official visit, the K-State training staff checked everything out. They said it, there will be no issues that he should be able to, if he can't ease his way in during the spring because he's an early enrollee, he'll definitely, it sounds like, be ready for, you know, by summer, by fall camp to be able to do those things. And again, as an early enrollee, he's already going to have his nose in the playbook, even if he can't be on the field. So as long as he can get back into shape, there fits. I really think that this kid, this is a kid that's going to get himself into the rotation. I know you've got Trace Spivey and Andre Davis and even Jace Brown that are ranked ahead of him. But I think that, you know, I think he's got the, the makeup with work ethic. Um, he comes from a, a football background too, where uh, he's, his family's very close with Phil Bennett. His grandfather is a hall of fame guy at Texas A&M. His dad is actually um, a part of the athletic department at Texas A&M. So again, I think the whole college environment isn't going to be new for him. It won't be a big transition. I love, love the addition of Wesley Watson. Okay, Wally, let's put a little pause in the podcast right here and take a break real quick. We'll be back with the Powercat Recruiting Podcast as we continue to discuss Kansas State's 2023 football recruiting class. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the Powercat Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Football Recruiting Podcast as we wrap up Kansas State's 2023 class with Ryan Wallace. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and let's dive right back in. They had some specific needs. They had to bolster the receiver room. They did it. Linebacker room. They did it. The back end of the defense, particularly safeties. They did it. Corners. They did it. They they might go add some more guys still, but boy, they did a marvelous job, particularly when you consider how they finished finding a, you know, a really coveted linebacker and receiver at the wire um, in Newsom and Spivey. They addressed a lot of needs and they did it not just with numbers, but with quality, and I'm impressed. Do they need another guy in the running back room? Heck yeah. Maybe two? Okay. But for the most part, they did a good job of filling their needs. Well, and again, I think with you, when you get a guy like Joe Jackson, yeah, they, we, we've talked about it at nauseum at Go Powercat. It's, you know, they wanted to get three backs in this class. Well, you've got one high school back, and DJ Giddens still has a year's left of eligibility in his tank. Go fill with the portal. That's what the portal's there for. That's what Kansas State's going to do, where you can get an experienced guy. So, like you said, that's that, to me, that's no sweat from uh, from the running back perspective. But I'm glad you brought up linebacker because, and, and you heard Chris Kleiman talk about it at his press conference last or uh, yesterday, last night. Um, the ability of this staff now, having kind of been more familiar and played now two years predominantly in this three three five they can go and look for specific traits at specific positions. And so whether it's safety or linebacker, which is what I want to highlight, they were able to not just get a multitude of linebackers and just say, we're just going to throw a large number of guys into this position room and kind of hope that, you know, most of them pan out. They were able to say, no, we, we know this guy's going to pan out because he does this one specific thing. Well, and he can slide into this one linebacker role and we're you know we're going to target this kid and bring him in to do this specific linebacker role so they not only increase the depth increase the competition with more talent but they went out and got guys with varying levels of eligibility remaining you know i think everybody but terry kirksky uh who's coming in from uh hudge community college will have more than two years of eligibility remaining um, at the linebacker spot. And so you get Terry Kirksey, you get, um, you know, Rex Van Wy is a guy that, yeah, 6'4", 225, can do a ton of different things and covers really well. I think he'll be, um, dare I say, an upgrade to Khalid Duke just because Khalid is so good at um, the pass rushing aspect. But I think now you get a guy like Rex in there who's a second-team junior college All-American from Iowa Central. He can cover. He can, you know, go sideline to sideline and pe- rush the passer if you need him to do that. You got Ace and Newsom in there. And then, you know, the two high school guys, too, that I think have gone overlooked because of the way that they've filled of late at that position. You know, Colin Dunn is a great athlete in his own right, will have no problem covering in any direction. And then you get Austin Romaine, who is a kid from Hillsborough High School, um, kind of north of, of St. Louis in the Missouri uh, state of Missouri, and he's just a freaking thumper. I mean, he's an old school linebacker um, that that is probably a better athlete than than you would think when you throw his tape on. He was also their running back, and you know he's not just a 
you know, put, put his nose or put his helmet down, put his nose down and run you over kind of guy. But he kind of has some shiftiness to him too. And so you get him coming in at semester and he's already six one two thirty. Again, guys that you can redshirt, guys that you can have play Mike, guys you can have play a weak side linebacker. Steve Stannard and, and that group really nailed that position. But overall, as you were talking about, Fitz, were able to hit not in the positions that they needed just from a number standpoint, but hit it with big numbers, but then be able to spread them out and say, here are all your roles and we can rotate these guys in for a number of years. Yeah, it's impressive what they pulled off. But I think the the thing that might have flown under the radar a little bit is Kansas State has been searching for a true left tackle type of guy for a number of years. They've had problems closing that out, but they went down to Florida and found a pretty darn good one. Talk about Devin Voss a little bit. Devin is um, he's nasty. I mean, when I've been covering recruiting uh, with Go Power Cat for I think this is 13 or 14 years now, and me personally, I'm not a coach. Connor Riley knows a lot more than I do, but there's something to me that I like to see about a lineman that's just nasty, that's just angry, that plays with an edge. Um, I, I go back to Scott France all the time. He was a guy that really wanted to bury his opponents in the ground. You see that with Devin um, playing at a Lakeland, uh, a Florida high school that um, is well regarded. They were loaded with prospects. Um, although he was a transfer in there, I think this season was able to really test him from a talent level too. And he had to do it quick because again, for those that don't know, Devin trans transitioned, uh, not just as a transfer to Lakeland, but before Lakeland was playing as a defensive end. So this was really only his first true season playing offensive tackle and only offensive tackle. And guys, I mean, you hear Andrew Ivins, who is now kind of our national lead scout at two, four, seven, but has always had made his mark in the sunshine state and evaluating talent down there. He raves about Devin Bass. Um, and, and his dad is a big strength and conditioning guy. They, they were really sold on, uh, coach true, true Carol. Um, and so I think he's going to be, have no problem, in, you know, investing himself in the weight room. That was one of the, the outside football hobbies that he mentioned to Cole Carmody and I is, you know, he enjoys being at the gym and lifting weights. So he's already six, five, probably 275, 280 ish. He's going to have no problem getting to 300. And again, just so agile bends well, and plays with a motor, which again is one of those things you see from defensive ends. He carried that over to left tackle this year. And so you combine all his natural athletic things with just this mean streak uh, of physicality. He's a guy that you're right, Fitz. They've, they've needed a true left tackle, not just a guy that has the height and the length that could play there. Devin Bass is a true left tackle. And he's a guy that I think, you know, maybe he doesn't get on the field right away, but uh, you know, they've, they've got some younger guys already on the roster that I know they they really like, but Devin's going to get himself in the rotation pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I, I know he will. I mean, I just he's not a developmental player like some of the offensive linemen they sign. That works out sometimes and other times it doesn't, but he looks like he's going to be ready to go as soon as he gets here. One of the guys that I'm fascinated with, and I don't know if you share this, but I covered John Fabris when he was at K-State. If his son Jack plays safety as intensely as John coaches – 
Jack's going to kill someone with a hit. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's an intriguing signing for, for me because um, I don't know that when you look at the tape, you're going to say he's among the better players in this class. But I just have the feeling the coach's son, the work ethic, I know his dad. Um, it's not easy being the son of a football coach, particularly one as hard-driven as John Fabris. Uh, I, I think this could be a kid that really fits into K-State's system. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the more underrated, overlooked guys in the class. And, and to some extent, uh, you know, like you said, when you throw the tape on, maybe there's a reason for that. They definitely see him as a project, but a project worth investing in. Um, you know, this is a kid that I, I think has been class four all state multiple times now um, as a defender. And I think the thing that jumps out to me on tape with him is he's a guy that's always going to be assignment sound. And he, he comes down. He's a surefire tackler. They're going to play him at that that uh, middle safety role. They're jack. Um, which uh, for the most part, I mean, you're, you're going to cover a little bit at that role, but they need a guy in that position that can come downhill and come into the box too. Uh, if they bring that weak side linebacker kind of off the edge a little bit more, you're imagining that that, that safety could fill that, that role in the box. And so I think Jack fits that again, a project guy. So he's going to be a little bit more down the road, but all of the kind of between the ears and tangibles that you want. You know, I mentioned with Wesley Watson, a guy that uh, probably won't be shocked and awed by the co you know college level and picking up the system and that sort of thing. I think the same could be said for Jack Fabris. Um, and on a, a pretty good athlete, too. I mean, I think he um, is a pretty decorated baseball player down in Georgia as well. So uh, a, a kid that, again, I think he's going to take to Joe Klanderman. He'll be kind of a film nerd and and – I think that'll that'll do wonders for him down the road because, yeah, I mean, you, he does all the fundamental things well. So long as he can kind of adjust to the college speed of things, uh, he, he'll be a guy that I think it shouldn't come as a surprise if, you know, two, three years down the road, he's working his way up the depth chart. Uh, and if nothing else, he's uh, absolutely 100 percent. I'm sold that he'll be a special teams guy for multiple yeah. years. Yep. I agree. He's kind of got that written all over him. Well, you don't win every battle in recruiting, and, and that's just the truth of it. And Kansas State did have a couple guys that they missed out on that fans were kind of invested in at one point during the process, Dylan Edwards being number one. Um, and he ends up at Colorado, which I think is a great fit. Joshua Manning, a receiver, seemed like he was headed for K-State. He ends up with Missouri. Uh, he can play with his brother there. I understand why he picked it. But overall, I think K-State – did a good job of getting the guys they wanted. Um, and, you know, those are two misses. But does anyone else jump out at you that they really whiffed on that they really wanted in this class? Not particularly. Um, I, I think, you know, other than the ones that you mentioned there, and I, I have pinpointed Josh Manning, if you had to, you know, ask Taylor Bratt um, publicly or privately at this point because he can talk about it. I, I think Josh Manning probably stings. Um, not just because of the talent that he is. Um, and I, again, I think K-State rebounded really well with, by getting Trace Spivey and a Wesley Watson down the stretch. But um, I think knowing how close they were, I mean, Fitz, by all accounts, he was ready to commit. Um, he sent out the, the tweet that said that it was going to be in like a, a day, uh, I think the next day. Uh, by all accounts from people that I spoke, had spoken to, he had silently verbaled to K-State. And then kind of overnight, he sends out, he takes that tweet down, puts out another tweet that was kind of cryptic saying he's going to put his recruitment on pause. 
And the next thing you know, K-State hasn't heard from him. And um, the recruits that he'd been talking to didn't feel as strongly. And boom, he's headed to Missouri. So you can kind of probably read between the lines a little bit on that one. Um, But if I had to pinpoint maybe one other one, I I do think they would have loved to have had Joe Otting. But as you talked about in a previous daily delivery, I know I've touched on it. Private Catholic school kid from Topeka getting an offer from Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, nobody's faulting Joe Otting. And and Joe would probably tell you that he probably would have loved to have been at K-State if if things had gone differently. But when the Notre Dame offer presents itself, you know, that's one that I, I absolutely anybody in Joe's shoes wouldn't have, you know thought twice about. So uh, the other thing for me, and I mentioned early or, uh, early on in this podcast, it's about uh, some of the things that we touched on this time last year that we just felt like K-State needed to correct or whatever. And one of them was official visits. If you go back and you want to think about guys that K-State really prioritized, go back and look at the official visits from June. You know, there weren't many misses there. Uh, when you go back and look at it, they did a tremendous job during June. You know, they, the guys that they didn't get from the June visits, Josh Manning touched on it. They had him, something happened and they didn't get him. Hank Zelenskis, uh, from who's from Colorado ended up committing and staying with Colorado. Okay. He stays in state. Carson Hansen comes in. He ends up committing to Iowa state. And I'm not sure after that visit, K-State was a hundred percent sold that they really wanted him think the same could be say, said maybe for Calvin Clements, who, you know, committed to Baylor, ends up flipping to Kansas. Um, he's a Lawrence kid. I think K-State would have taken him. But I also think that if you ask K-State privately, they're probably pretty happy with Devin Bass over Calvin Clements. That's just my perspective. Dylan Edwards had him, lost him. You know, maybe they're not too disappointed in losing him. And then the only other two that they didn't get from June were Eric Singleton, who I think I was told they probably could have had if they wanted to. But at that point, they were still kind of waiting on Josh Manning and others. And so kind of pushed that one to the side. And then DK Kalu, who I'm not sure I actually need to go back and and double check. I'm not sure he even made that visit. So that might be a problem on my part in the database. And again, he's a Texas kid that ended up staying in state with Baylor. So that was going to be a stretch anyway. Everybody else fits that they brought in in June, they got. Um, and a lot of guys, even that they brought in in the fall, they went damn near perfect with, other than Nigel Osborne, who was a weird recruitment in and of itself it because Fitz, he ends up signing with Utah Tech. And I think, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to nitpick, maybe that's a recruitment that you can nitpick the K State coaching staff because uh, there were already some transfer things that you could see a mile away. With, with him having transferred to three different high schools that you wondered, uh, are the transcripts going to really work themselves out? K-State obviously felt like maybe they, they could, um, but it sounded like maybe after the official visit, they got to you know chatting with him, a great kid by all accounts, but uh, maybe they just kind of could see the writing on the wall and, and the number of other power fives too, and FBS for that matter probably saw that too, and that's how he ends up at Utah Tech. But Everyone else, um, you go through the percentages. I suck at math, fit, so I won't. But um, it's it's a lot of power cats. If you go on our website, you can do the tab under official visits. They killed it this year. And again, yeah. they did everything with a purpose. And uh, other than, yeah, Josh Manning, you can make an argument for Dylan Edwards and Joe Otting. They nailed everybody that they wanted. Well, Chris Kleiman brought it up at his press conference. If you get them on campus, they've got a better chance. They've, they have felt that way. They proved it again this year. So 
Getting the 2024 class, how is that possible? How are we already talking about that as the next recruiting <laughs> class? That's just so weird. Um, into those summer camps or into a football weekend in Manhattan visit, that's just crucial. So looking ahead, it isn't the same kind of year in the state of Kansas. It may never be again, at least in the short term. It's not nearly as talent-rich in 2024. But what are some of the needs you see for this 24 class for Kansas State football? Well, I think, you know, just you know, you look at the depth chart and things like that. Obviously, you know, whether or not they bring back guys this year, this coming year in 2023 on the offensive line, I, I still think even though they've, they've brought in a plethora of guys that they're really high on, that might be a position that they'll probably target. I would imagine defensive line will be a massive one um, because you've got, you know, a guy like Nate Matlack, Brendan Mott, guys that are going to be becoming more veteran players by that point, even Cody Stuffelbean. Um, they went out and got some defensive linemen this year, but again, I think you can never have too many um, just with the way that that position seems to shake out. I think they're probably feeling pretty good on linebacker, but you know, cornerback might be one that they go out and address next year. So um, th- there's definitely some spots that you can kind of foresee being heavier priorities than others um, for next season or for the next recruiting cycle. But the other thing that I wanted to touch on with 2024, and again, I, I don't want this to come sound like it's coming off, you know, doom and gloom by any means or taking anything away from what this staff was able to do in 2023. But I do want to caution, I think fans and the, the simple fact that 2024 is going to be very different. And I'm highly intrigued to see how the K-State staff, approaches it and how they carry over this momentum because 2023 set the bar and I'm not even just talking about in state out of state it set the bar now they've raised the average of of expectations I think now with with things in Manhattan but it's a vastly different kind of year I mentioned 2023 this was really like a class that K-State knew about for years because all these kids were studs. Avery Johnson and these guys were playing three, three and a half, four years of varsity football. You knew about them early and often. So 2023 was a class that, again, you could kind of water the soil for years. And then by the time it came around to their off season before their senior years, you were far away, you know, more advanced than anybody else that was trying to come in state and, and develop relationships. Now, the other part of that is you're not going to have near the talent in 2024, as you said, that you had in 2023, this was a sensationally rare and unique case. Um, 2024, I can tell you right now, isn't um, we're seeing that maybe it's it's got some upper end guys, but nobody that's near Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards level and nowhere near the depth that we saw in 2023, where you can go out and offer the 15th, 20th best guy in Kansas and be very happy with them. That's not going to happen in 2024. So, I, again, I say I'm very intrigued because K-State will not have the in-state guys to fall back on like they did with Wesley Fair, Will Ancio, Camden Beebe, Jordan Allen. Those guys, for the most part, aren't there. They're going to have to make a killing out of state. Um, And so I'm I'm very intrigued. It's going to be a wildly different cycle than what we saw this year 
um, not only covering it because we won't have as many guys that we can go easily see. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be different. And I'm, I don't want to say, you know, set the bar lower by any means, because I think Chris Kleiman and them have proven now uh, that that bar doesn't need to be set any lower, that they can go out of state and get a trace five in an ace and Newsome, but they're going to have to do more of that in the coming year. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting year to follow. The transfer portal is a whole different beast. They can supplement with that. I, what I liked about this is the transfer portal has been wonderful for Kansas State, but they're only at two guys now. Maybe they'll get to four or five eventually, but they're not leaning too far into the portal. They're just using it to plug a hole here and there, kind of like junior college recruiting in some ways. But uh, this is a recruiting class rooted in high school players, the developmental program, but mostly they've got some guys that, that can really come in and play and back to Avery Johnson. Uh, I guess my final question for you as we wrap this up is <clears throat> Avery special. Everyone knows Avery special and he joins a, a quarterback room that has Will Howard, who's proven to be an elite player, Jake Rubley, who came in with big credentials, Adrian Lara, who's kind of sneaky good. Is it going to be difficult? And they have said on the record they want to recruit a quarterback every year. Is it going to be difficult to put a quality quarterback in the 24 class? Probably. Yeah. Um, You know, just being honest, I know that um, you know, talking through circles and things, I think they feel good about where they stand with a couple of their 2024 uh, early offers at the quarterback position. But, you know, are they going to be the level, the the talent level of Avery Johnson? Probably not. <laughs> and part of that is because Avery, as it would be with any position, but especially quarterback, knowing that you can only play one, um, that's going to be one that, uh, will scare some folks away, but if you're if you are looking ahead at the offers, um, it's not like they're going to go out and you know get a, a two star quarterback. It'll still be, I would imagine, a, a pretty good quarterback. If I had to put money on it today, I think where they stand right now with Blake Barnett um, from Erie, Colorado, um, I think they've got a real shot with him. You know, um, and and he comes from uh, an area that you know K State is very familiar with. Um, having recruited John Pastore from out there. And again, not a drop in, you know, from a star rating, he's a little bit of a drop. He's a three-star 86 um, as opposed to where Avery is now, but he's got a Washington offer. He's got a Colorado offer, Oregon State. Um, Georgia has been in on him too. They haven't offered yet. Um, But again, you know, back to the the core of the question, no, I don't think you're going to be able to go out and get get a four or five-star guy again at that position. I think K-State's okay with that. And I think, you know, the other part wrinkle about Avery, too, that everybody wants to know is what are they going to do with this kid? You know, is he going to be happy redshirting? Um, do they play him to keep him happy kind of thing? And listen, I think I think it's a win win for K-State either way, because if you get into the offseason and by some crazy thing overnight, Will Howard regresses. Right. Um, I think I really think Avery Johnson is good enough. I I will go on record and say he's good enough to play as a true freshman if you need him to. Um, I I think it could be a Josh Freeman type thing where maybe they go in and even if they're not crazy about Will, which, again, would surprise all of us at this point, not saying that's going to happen. But if, if Will were to regress and you go into fall camp and you start Will, Maybe it's a Josh Freeman thing whereby week five, six, um, you start to see that Avery's maybe more the guy. Sure, you can work it, work it out that way. Otherwise, Avery's of the mindset that he's more than content redshirting. 
I think K-State can do things, Colin Klein can do things that will make him feel more than just a normal red shirt. You know, in practice, they can do things where Avery's taking more snaps than a normal red shirt would maybe with the twos. Maybe they give him some snaps with the ones. But the other thing, too, as we mentioned early on in this podcast, Fitz, is that Avery's a relationship guy. Uh, he's a team guy. So I think redshirting Avery, he's going to be fine with because he's going to look at that and say, this is my chance to develop a connection on the field and off the field with my guys. I'm going to get to, you know, I'm going to throw balls with Trace Spivey. You know, I'm going to throw balls with Wesley Watson and get my guys ready so that when Will and maybe, you know, those guys are, have moved on and it is my time, we're going to be able to jump in right away. So either way, if, if Avery starts next year, I think K-State would be happy and they'll be fine with that. If Will is the starter next year, I think Avery and K-State will be happy and fine with that. And they'll find ways to progress Avery more than you would a normal redshirt quarterback. Well, the core of my philosophy as a boss is to hire good people and get the hell out of the way. I do that very well on recruiting signing day. I clear <laughs> I clear out and you take over. Job well done, my friend. Excellent coverage at Go Power Cat. Not to brag on us as a site, but to brag on you individually. Just kicked ass with the help of Cole Carmody and Zach Carlson. And it uh even though I'm the boss and I'm in charge, it's fun to watch you guys work. Appreciate it. Well, l- let me say one more thing, and I know I've been long-winded as it is, but at the end of every year, I, I feel like I need to say this, and you touched on it, but uh, the-, the team that we've had at Go Power Cat, uh, the coverage that-, that we've put together this year is something that I know I'm really proud of. And so although I'm burnt out and you probably won't hear from me until after the Sugar Bowl, <laughs> um, you know, don't ask me any more 2024 questions, but Cole Carmody and Zach Carlson, um, the job that they were able to do this off season and helping me see these kids fits. I mean, you go down the list. We've seen a lot of these guys multiple times. We've delivered various forms of media to our subscribers, whether it be seeing Avery Johnson behind the scenes, you know, going and getting videos and interviews with Jordan Allen. You go down the list, even guys out of state, you know, we were at camp with, Ace and Newsom and, and other media outlets were there too. I, I don't want to take act like we were the only ones, but you know, we were we've seen Donovan McIntosh. We made it a point to go and see Andre Davis in seven on seven. Cole and Zach were down watching Canigel Thomas um, at Dell City during a, a road trip this year. Um, I, again, I could go down the list, but really Will Ancio is one of the only guys in Kansas, whether they committed to K-State or not, that I felt like we didn't cover maybe well enough or I wasn't able to see play in person. Um, But again, John Randall, Dylan Edwards, Joe Otting, we we were out and saw all of these guys on Friday night and we're already starting to do that in 2024. So I know it takes a toll on some of those younger guys. Um, And I know, uh, you know, a guy like Zach recruiting isn't his first and foremost thing that he wants to do, but he puts the hat on, you know, on Friday nights and gets it done for our subscribers. So um, beyond me, uh, just a tremendous job from him and, and the help that Cole has done throughout this year. I think he's a real bright spot, an up and comer when it comes to not only an eye for talent, but how to cover and, and getting to know the kids and building relationships. I think, you know, I, I hope that, you know, one day, maybe soon he can follow in, in my footsteps and just do a kick-ass job himself. Cause I think the, the light is bright for him. Right. So totally agree. again, yeah, uh, I go power cat. 
kicked ass <laughs> uh, and, and had and had fun doing it. This was a really cool class to get to know one of my favorites. I feel like I say it every year, but I really feel like this year we got to know these kids and their families and just bonded in a way that I don't think our staff has ever has before. And so um, a lot of fun to cover and now a lot of fun for, to, for me to close the book and kick my feet up for a week. And a shout out to the 24 <laughs> seven sports recruiting class or recruiting crew. Cause they're the best in the business They do a great job. They take it seriously and they also respect um, the, the type of talent we have in the state of Kansas and show that respect in the rankings. So I appreciate Absolutely. that so much. Wally, thank you. Great job. That'll wrap up this podcast, but lots of coverage at GoPowerCat.com. If you want to learn more about this recruiting class, head on over to GoPowerCat.com. Click on football recruiting on the header. Go look at the commitments. You can survey the class. If you click the bios, you'll probably find some pretty interesting game film on every player. Hey, Fitz, um, on a day like today when it's this cold, yeah. would you do one thing for me? Sure. Can you promise our listeners that you'll have a, a bowl of gumbo for me in New Orleans? I will do that. I will absolutely <laughs> do that. That will be part of my Exploring New Orleans video series I'm going to do and uh, hopefully have some Ooh, fun with either. it. Yeah, we, we started off, we recorded a, a little opening segment of that with Marco Bourne, hmm. basketball staff, New Orleans native, with some great advice for K-Staters, and that'll come up after the holiday. Uh, awesome. I, I'm glad your favor didn't include going outside today. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, no, let's cool. let's hunker down and listen to more podcasts. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Fitz. He's Ryan Wallace, and there's a, so much more always coming at GoPowerCat.com. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.